Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. a quick uh, disclaimer. Freedom House does not condone the use of alcohol, tobacco products, gambling, or dying on a train. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with the gambler. We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns of staring At the window in the darkness The boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've spent a lifetime Reading people's faces Knowing what their cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind me saying I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey, I'll give you some advice. So I handed him my bottle, and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette, asked me for a light, and the night got deadly quiet. And his face lost all expression, said, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know. Know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run, you don't count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving Knowing what to throw away, what to keep, cause every hand's a winner, every hand's a loser, the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep, that's a bummer, and when he finished speaking, he turned back to the window, crushed out a cigarette, paid it off to sleep, and somewhere in the darkness, the gambler, he broke, hey, that's too many, that's, that's the sad part. Give me a in his final words, I found an ace that I can keep. You got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money, but when you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the deal is done, you got to know when to hold them. And know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. You 
When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the decor lift your voice, so you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Give it up for our praise and worship team. Man, do you ever think you'd hear the gambler sung in church? Man, got me a little nervous today. I mean, we're talking about whiskey and gambling, I tell you what. Well, my name is Olin Carter. I serve here on our teaching team. And if you're new, I see some new faces in the house today. We're so glad you're here. Something that's unique about Freedom House Church, we have a live communicator at all of our campuses today. So each and every weekend, each and every service, we have a live communicator bringing God's Word, um, which I just think is amazing. It's always like to take a moment and give some honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. Will you give it up for them? I know they're watching right now, and um, they're, they're almost always here at one of our campuses preaching, and they're getting some much-needed R&R, and we just love you guys so much. And uh, I, I remember a couple weeks ago, I had preached at one of our campuses. I preached two, two messages. I got home, and I, I, Pastor Troy called me, or I called him, but we were talking that afternoon, and he was like, how you doing? I said, man, I'm tired. I, I preached two times today. And he said, yeah, I just preached five times in two days. <laughs> so our pastors are hard chargers, Amen. Man, they are always going after it, and I just love them. I love their vision for our church so much. And before we get into the message, I do want to take a moment and greet those that are joining us online. We've got people right now in California, Florida, New York, Tennessee, Indiana, South Carolina, and for some reason our team put up their Myrtle Beach, which is South Carolina. We just wanted to call out Myrtle Beach for some reason. So welcome if you're in Myrtle Beach right now. Enjoying your holiday. Welcome. We're glad you guys are with us. So we're, we're getting into this new series, but before we do that, I want to announce something new and exciting that we're doing here at Freedom House Church. I want you to pay attention to this. So everybody say, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. Okay. We are rolling out a new initiative. It is called Freedom Pulse. Now, what is Freedom Pulse? You're going to get an email this week, and I know all of you check your emails all the time. We never miss an email, right? I never miss an email, do I? Okay, she's giving me the, I miss some emails. Hey, we get a ton of emails, and that's why we're telling you now, because we want you to check your email and be watching for Freedom Pulse. What this is going to be, it's going to be a short survey. It'll take you less than 10 minutes to fill this out. 
But what it's going to do is it's going to help us as a church to know how we're doing spiritually, emotionally, financially. So it's all anonymous. We're not going to know who you are. But it gives us a dashboard as a church to see and chart over time how we're doing as a church spiritually. Amen? And so we want to be able to preach to things. We want to be able to to, to roll out life groups, to to do events, to do things that really are are hitting the areas that you need most. And so this is going to be a phenomenal tool for us to know and gauge the growth. And how many of you know the growth of a church is not really measured in how many people are in the seats or the budget of the church, right? We're called to make what? Disciples. And so we want to measure discipleship. We want to see how you're growing spiritually. And so this is going to be a huge help in that. So I want to ask you to do that. Set a reminder on your phone. Be looking Wednesday, I believe, is when it's going to come out. Wednesday, you'll be getting an email, and then there'll be some follow-ups on that. So make sure you do that. It's going to be great. So we are in a new series called Top of the Charts. And I don't even have to ask you to raise your hands about, hey, who loves music? We all love music, right? Every one of us in here, we all love music. Music impacts us in a multitude of ways. And we know as as believers that music was created by God for worship, to honor God. But you know what? Man, music moves us in a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. When we were picking the different songs, um, I, I had some other songs that I had looked at, but when I, when I saw this song, The Gambler, on the list, I was like, I got to do that song. And, and I've got to make a confession. This might get me in some trouble around here. I actually hate country music. I know, I know. Don't have me removed, please. I know some of you country music lovers around here are going to be mad at me. I can't stand country music. But if you don't like that song, I mean, something's wrong with you, right? Everybody likes The Gambler. A little history about the song. Um, the song was made popular, actually, by Kenny Rogers back in 1970. I used to would have said way back in 1978, but I was born before that, so I'm not going to say that. Just, just yesteryear, right? Just, just, a, just a few years ago. Other artists actually recorded the song. And I didn't know this when I was researching the history of the song. Johnny Cash actually recorded a version of this song. A lot of artists, popular artists, actually recorded this song, but it was never a hit. It wasn't a hit until Kenny Rogers picked it up and and did his version of it. It was written by a young man named Don Schlitz in 1976. And what's interesting about Don and and kind of the history of the song, the song's about poker, right? It's about the gambler. But Don wasn't a poker player. Actually, Don wrote the song because his father had passed away. He had a great relationship with his dad, and his dad had taught him a lot of life lessons. And so he was kind of reflecting on his relationship with his dad, and he got these lyrics for this song about poker. And one of the things he said is, uh, the song is really isn't about poker. He said it's about handling what life gives you, what some would call playing the hand you're dealt. And so the song is really about his dad and about these life lessons, um, drinking whiskey and dying on a train. We're not preaching on that today. That's not the focus. But I do believe there are some principles, and I think you're going to see this today, that we can kind of pull out of this song as a lot of songs that move us. And so we live in a culture, and, and kind of when I was thinking about this song, one of the reasons why I picked it is because we live in a culture that somehow has gotten this crazy idea that life is supposed to be fair. We live in a, in a country, we live in a modern age, we live in a society and a culture that really 
fights for this idea that everything is supposed to be fair. Everything is supposed to be equal. Everything is supposed to be fair. And we know that that's not how God designed life. We know that because every one of us in here is a different height. Right? Listen, I had a dream once. I was going to be in the MBA. My eighth grade, I was like five foot three. I could, I could whoop all my friends in basketball. I went to ninth grade. I was like six foot tall. My mom said all I did for a summer was eat and sleep. I went, boop, I popped up, and man, the dream was born. I thought, man, I'm going to be six five, six six, no problem. Grew another inch or two, and then boom, I stopped. I hit the ceiling. Six two, I stopped growing, and the problem was I'm slow. I know, all of you extend your hands and pray for me right now. Help him, Lord. I would love to play more basketball. I'm slow. It's just a fact. I'm not fast. I can, I can keep up at a gallop, but I, my first step is nothing to brag about. I'm not blowing by anybody. So I could shoot pretty good, but at six foot two, my dreams were over. And you know what? We learned that early in life. Maybe your dream was to dance. Maybe your dream was to be a great singer. I've had friends that, wonderful singers. I mean, absolutely phenomenal singers. Tried out for American Idol. Didn't make it. Didn't make it, right? And some people do, and we know by that that God has not made us all totally equal. God didn't make us all the same height. He didn't make, give us all the same talents. He didn't give us all the same aptitudes and gifts. And today we somehow believe that everyone is supposed to have every, the same advantages or disadvantages, or we complain that the game is rigged. And the truth is you can spend your life complaining about the cards you've been dealt. Or you can learn to play whatever cards you get dealt. That's your choice. You can spend your life complaining about your hand or you can learn, you can learn to play whatever cards you're dealt. See, poker, just like life, isn't about who gets the best cards. And when you hear that, you might think, well, that's not true. I mean, life is about who gets the best cards. I mean, if somebody gets great cards, then I want to be that guy, right? I want to have all the advantages. But see, here's the truth. No matter how good your cards are, somebody's got better ones. You think, you think Bill Gates got some pretty good cards in life? He's worth 87 gajillion dollars, right? But guess what? Not the richest guy anymore. How would you feel if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were worth 80, 90, 100 billion dollars and you're fourth on the list? right? You're not even number one anymore. It doesn't matter how high you can jump. It doesn't matter how great you can sing. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Somebody's got more than you. Somebody's holding a better hand. And the reverse is true as well. No matter how bad the cards you've been dealt, somebody's been dealt worse. I used to go on a lot of mission trips years ago. And one time we were in Guatemala. And uh, I remember it vividly because it was the first mission trip I was on as a parent. I had been on probably 30-something mission trips in my life. This was the first mission trip I ever went on having children of my own. And let me just tell you, if you've ever been on a trip, going without kids, with kids, changes your perspective. When you become a parent, any parents in the house, having kids changes your perspective, doesn't it? You think about things a little different. We're, we're taking groceries and praying and ministering to people in this neighborhood. And I'll never forget, we go into this house, if you want to call it that. It was really a hovel. It was a shack. It was, you know, pallets put up with, you know, chewing gum. And, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, it's just filthy, dirt floors, no toilet, no running water. 
I remember specifically the kids where they slept. They were like, they would take these, um, these sacks for like uh, potatoes and fruit and things like that. And they were like a netting and they made like a hammock. And that's where the kids would sleep and there were spider webs all in it. And this is where their kids slept. They didn't have food to eat that night. And I remember the, the mom before we left, she said, man, I just want you guys to pray you know, you American missionaries are here. And, and if you don't know this, people in other countries, they think as Americans, we have like a direct line to God. So no matter how bad you think you have it, people in other countries think we just walk on water, right? So she's like, man, I just, will y'all please pray for me? And I'm thinking, man, man, let's pray for this lady. And I'm thinking she's going to say, pray that God would give us a better house, a better place to live. Because that place was horrible. It was dangerous. It was filthy. But her prayer wasn't for a better house. Her prayer was, please pray that we don't lose the house we have because the guy who owned it was trying to kick him out. Man, I don't know about you, but when, when I heard that, all my problems didn't seem like problems anymore, right? Totally changed my perspective. I remember just sitting there and I could not stop crying, just heartbroken for this mom who just wanted a better life for her kids. And the truth is, no matter how bad the cards you have been dealt, there's someone out there that's been dealt worse cards than you. Always. But see, poker is about learning to play the situation, not the cards. Poker is about learning to play the situation, not the cards. And life is the same way. It's not about having the best cards. Your life is not about the cards you get dealt. Life is about being thankful for the cards you were dealt and finding the purpose hidden in God's plan for you. See, no matter what cards you've been dealt, hidden in the circumstances of your life, hidden in the limitations of your physical body, hidden in your personality, hidden in your history, hidden in your past, there is an opportunity, there's a plan hidden in the cards you have been dealt. In the, in the situation you find yourself in, God has a plan. God has something for you if we'll look. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going we're gonna to read a parable today. And this parable that Jesus tells, it's, it's a longer parable, so we're going to break it up and read it in a couple different sections. But this parable is going to help us understand how this poker game of life kind of works, okay? you got to know when to hold them. you got to know when to... Okay, just making sure you're paying attention. Matthew 25, we're going to start in verse 14. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. You've been entrusted with something. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away, he left. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. He doubled what the master had given him. Verse 17, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. He doubled what had been entrusted to him. Verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, if you relate this to a poker game, we have three players, right? One player was given how many talents? Five. Everybody say five. five. All right, one was given two, and one was given one. Now, these players could have focused on a lot of different things, right? They could have focused on a lot of different things. The player with five talents could have thought, well, hey, I've been given the most talents. The master must, ex he, he must expect the most out of me, so I should play it safe. I mean, I've got five. 
they've only got two and one, so I'm in the lead. I just need to like run out the clock, right? I need to just play it safe. I need to just keep the five I've got, and then I'll win the game, right? I'm going to come out ahead. The player with two talents could have spent all of his time griping about why he got two instead of five. Like many of us do, right? Why didn't I get five, God? Why, why did you give him five and not me? Why did I only get two? My hand's not as good. He could have spent his life and spent his time griping about the hand that he was dealt. What about the player with one talent? He could have thought, well, hey, I only got one. That guy got five. I got to get to work. I got to get busy, right? He could have had that perspective. He could have had that mindset. He said, I only got one talent. I'm, I'm playing from a deficit. I've got to be extra aggressive. I've got to get in the game. I've got to turn this one into two. I've got to turn this one into three. I've got to turn this one into five because I'm behind. He could have thought that way. And most of us spend our lives focused on the wrong things. Life is all about perspective. We, we stay distracted or discouraged because of the hand that we were dealt. Or maybe we feel like we've lost the last few hands. And some of you today, maybe you feel like you've been playing the game of life. And maybe you feel like the last few hands you've played, you've lost. And it's real easy to get distracted and discouraged when you feel like you've played a hand and you've lost. You lose once, you shake it off. You lose twice, ah, bad run of cards, right? You lose three times, four times, five times. You start getting a little gun shot, right? You start getting a little afraid to make another bet. The song says you've got to know when to hold them. You've got to know when to hold them. That means you have to be able to control your emotions and you've got to be able to make a good decision about how to respond to whatever situation you find yourself in. You see, sometimes in poker, you have something called a bad beat. A bad beat. Anybody ever heard that term before? A bad beat. In poker, when you get a bad beat, it's when you had the best cards, you were winning, you made all the right decisions, but at the end, some idiot just playing, trying to get lucky, pulls something on the river, it's the final card that's dealt, and they get lucky and you lose. You made all the right decisions, you did all the right things, and you lost anyway. It's a, it's a bad beat. And in poker, what happens oftentimes is people go what they call tilt. It means they lose their emotional composure. They get angry. They get frustrated. They start complaining. They shove their cards back on the table. Why? Because I should have I won that hand. You should have folded. You should have folded two hands ago. You just got lucky. And we get angry. And sometimes that's how we are in life. Sometimes we make all the right decisions, Sometimes we do all the right things, we play by the rules, we work hard, we get there early, we stay late, and we still don't get the promotion. That other guy gets the promotion. He doesn't deserve it. I work 10 times as hard as he does, and I tithe. I serve God. I'm faithful. Why does he get the promotion and I don't? Man, I did everything right. It's a bad beat. It's a bad beat. Sometimes it happens in our relationships. Maybe you just came through a a messy divorce, and you're looking at some other couple, and you're like, man, why do they get to have a happy marriage? They've been married for 15 years. They seem happy. I don't understand. They're both jerks. <laughs> I am a delightful person. I mean, I am a treat. If anyone deserves to have a happy marriage, it's me. I did everything right. I went to church. Me and my, my spouse, we, we, we did pre-marriage counseling. We did all the things. We checked all the boxes, and still, man, I got a bad beat. 
Something went wrong. And when things go wrong in our lives, we tend to get distracted and we tend to get discouraged. We tend to get distracted and we tend to get discouraged because Satan wants to pull us out of this mystery plan that God has hidden in the cards we've been dealt. Satan wants to pull you, he wants to extract you out of the plan that God has for you and he wants you to be distracted and he wants you to be discouraged. Now, for somebody who's never drank or smoked or done any of those things, I've spent a lot of time in bars. The reason somebody fell out of their chair. <laughs> Olin's been in a bar? Bam! I used to, I used to play pool for years, and I played on an eight-ball team. And um, I wasn't that great. I was okay. I could hold my own. I got better and better. But uh, the guy who kind of started our team, he was an older gentleman. He, he just kind of got tired of doing it, and he, he retired. And uh, the guy who was our best player, he changed teams. He went to a different team. And so, lo and behold, I became the coach of the team. I was the captain. And so, man, I had to learn real quick that, man, playing and coaching are totally different. We started losing a lot. <laughs> Had nothing to do with my coaching or captainship. Let me just make that clear right now, okay? Nothing to do with me. But we started losing a lot of games. And I, I learned very quickly that the reason we were losing to other teams wasn't because they were better at putting the ball in the hole than we were. It was because of our mindset. It was because of our perspective. The hardest thing for me to do was to keep players positive and to help them to commit to the right shot. You see, they would miss a shot, and they would miss a shot, and they would lose a game, and they would go, oh, stink. I'm terrible. I'm the worst player. And then they would go over, and they would just sit in a corner, and, they'd, oh, and they would just give up. And how many of us do that, right? We have a bad beat in life. Maybe you just, you know, something happened at work, something happened in your family, and you're just around everybody you meet. People are like, how are you doing today? And you're just like, I'm not good at all. Everything's bad. I hate everybody, right? And that's just your attitude. You just get to go totally negative. And that's how they would do. They would miss a shot. They would lose a game. And they would go, I don't even throw their stick down. I don't even deserve to play. I'm the worst player ever. And it was like, man, how do I keep these people positive? How do I keep us focused so we're not distracted and we're not discouraged? So I learned very quickly that we had to institute some rules into how we played the game. See, what would happen is I would coach them during a shot, and I would say, listen, this is the shot. This is what you need to do. And they would, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, if I, I don't know if I can make that shot. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a... And I'd say, no, 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 this is the shot. This is a high percentage shot. This is going to put you... This is going to improve your position. You're going to be in good shape. And they, okay, all right. And then they would half-heartedly not commit to the shot, shoot the shot, miss the shot, and then what would they say? They would say, I knew it. I knew I was going to miss. I knew I was going to lose. I knew it. I knew that wasn't going to work. See, their attitude was one of fear. And any great athlete will tell you that when your mind is occupied by fear, you can't perform at a high level. See, whatever you focus on is going to bring that into your life. So I'm a golfer, a terrible one. And when I go to golf, one thing I've learned, I don't do it, but <laughs> I've learned it, is whatever you focus on, is what you're going to do. And so the other day I was playing and I thought, man, I'm going to aim right. I had all this room. I could do anything with the golf ball. I just couldn't go left. And all I thought in my mind was just don't hit it left. 
Don't hook it. Don't pull it left. Don't go left. Just hit it right, Olin. Just do anything. Don't go left. Don't go left. I aim way right. I hit the ball. Dead left. Dead left. Why? Because what you focus on in your mind is what you're going to do. That's living by fear. And so we have to understand that when we focus on our cards, we miss the game. See, when you're playing poker, they deal your cards. Good poker players, they learn to look at their card, and then they're watching the action. Their eyes are up. They're watching the other players. They're watching the bets. They're watching their facial expressions. They're trying to gauge, how should I respond based on the cards I had? But see, that's not how we play poker. That's not how the the third servant played poker. See, what we do is we get our cards, and then we do this. So eight... I mean, it's two cards, people, right? I mean, like, it's not that hard. But we're just looking at our cards. We're just, it's eight. It's a four. It's a four clubs, four clubs, four clubs. It's like, I got, I got a five. I got a four clubs. And we're just staring at those cards. We walk around our life staring at the hand that we've been dealt, focusing on our limitations, focusing on our past, focusing on our sins, focusing on our failures, focusing on the cards that we've been dealt instead of playing the game of life. Instead of looking up enough to see the spiritual reality that God deals us a hand for a reason and God can bring good out of even bad. The fact that When we focus on our cards, we miss the game. We focus on, we just didn't get this promotion at work. Guess what? Because God is opening up a whole new job for you. Man, I just had this this issue in my relationship. Why? Because maybe God is trying to separate you from somebody who's bringing you down. Sometimes things happen in our life because God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to shake us. He's trying to wake us spiritually And so God is working on something way more important than that little thing we're focused on in that moment. It's not good to walk around life like this, bumping into stuff, you know, tripping, falling down. Because the whole time we're like this. I used to be a youth pastor, and that was the, the biggest thing I tried to teach the young people is don't live like this. Look out there. There's there's a future for you. Ten years from now, you're going to regret the decisions you make today if you live like this. If you make every decision based on what's right in front of your face, you're going to make bad decisions. See, when we focus on our cards, we miss the game. When we focus on the outcome, we play afraid. See, if you bet too much, you play afraid. When you lose a lot, you play afraid. When you when you focus on just winning and losing, when you're so fixated on the outcome, you play afraid. You ever been watching a ball game before and one team is up big, right? They're up 20 points, 30 points. They're, they're dominating the game. And then all of a sudden, they start missing. And they start missing. And they start missing. And next thing you know, it's like they can't do anything right. And then next thing you know, they're not up 25. They're only up 15. And then there's a timeout and the coach is yelling at them. And then they're like, "Um, all right, we got to get it together, guys. We got to get it together. The the, the clock's running out. All we got to do is run out the clock. All we got to do is run out the clock. And then they go back out and then they they miss again. And the other team's scoring and scoring. And next thing you know, it's a two-point game. And when you play afraid, you get tight. 
You make bad decisions. You get out of the flow. And so many of us are walking through our lives, looking at our cards, scared of the outcome, playing afraid, living in fear, living in doubt, living, living by the threat that I'm only as good as my last hand. That if I make one more mistake, this thing's over. If I mess up one more time, I don't know what's going to happen. That is no way to live life. When we focus on our cards, we miss the game. When we focus on the outcome, we play afraid. When we focus on obedience to God, we cannot lose. When you learn that life is not about the outcome, it's about obedience and faithfulness to God, we cannot lose. You see, two of the servants in the parable went to work right away. They used what they had, but one was afraid. One was focused on the wrong things. See, what does winning look like in the kingdom of God? See, winning in the kingdom, totally different than winning in the world. Winning in the world looks like a scoreboard. It looks results-oriented. Winning in the world looks at the now. Winning in the world says, if I'm the champ, then I'm number one. I'm on top. Winning in the world is focused on results. But winning in the kingdom of God is totally different. You see, we don't work for victory. We work from victory. In victory in the kingdom of God, winning, it looks like aligning yourself with the victor. Aligning yourself with the victor. Here's a kind of a game-changing thought that might help you. Some of you right now feel like you're losing. You feel like you're losing at life. You feel like you're losing in your marriage. You feel like you're losing in your finances. You feel like you're losing spiritually. You just feel like you're losing right now in whatever area. Maybe, maybe it's in every area. Maybe you just feel like you're losing. Sometimes when you're watching a game on television, somebody will walk into the room and they'll say, hey, who's winning the game? I've always thought that expression is funny because the actual answer to that question is, I don't know. Whoever's winning is the team that's eventually going to win. You see, if the Panthers play a game and the Panthers end up winning the game, every moment of that game was part of the process of them winning. There was no part of that game that wasn't a part of the... Even if they were down 21-0, that was still a part of the process of them winning the game. You see, if we align ourselves with God, what we're going to understand is every moment of your life... The best moments, the darkest moments. The victories and the defeats. The mountaintops and the valleys. Every moment of it was just a part of your winning the game. Every moment of your life was just part of the process of God winning through you. Winning is not results based in the kingdom. It's based on obedience and faithfulness. And the reason is because results is about me. Results is about me. I want the results now. I want to win because I want you to think I'm awesome. I want you to think I'm great. But obedience and faithfulness focus on God. A lot of times God will call you to do something that's not popular, that's not going to make you look so great. Sometimes God will call you to stand firm when the whole world is coming against you. But in the kingdom of God, that's what winning looks like. It looks like standing firm even when the whole world is coming against you might not look like you're winning in that moment, but one day when you get to heaven, you'll look back and you'll say, man, that dark moment, man, that was just part of the process of God winning through me. 
Let's keep reading. Matthew 25, verse 19. It says, Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And be sure that the master is going to return. You're going to give an account one day of what God has entrusted to you. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. I've doubled what you have given me. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. See, this is one of the most important principles that you can ever learn as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that God is not going to reward or judge you based on someone else's capabilities or opportunities. God is not going to reward you. God is not going to judge you based on someone else's capabilities or opportunities. This seems so simple, but yet we miss it all the time. This truth, if you grasp it, if you really own it, can be so liberating. You see, God's not going to hold you accountable for things you don't have the ability to accomplish. God is not looking for ambition. God is looking for availability. God, see, he doesn't need stars. He wants servants. God doesn't need stars. He wants servants. You see, many times in the Bible, we see the greatest heroes of our faith didn't seek after greatness. You see, Moses, Moses is hiding out in the desert. God calls to Moses, hey, I want you to go and set my people free. What does Moses say? No, not me, God. I can't do it. I can't talk in front of people. I'm the wrong one. You picked the wrong one, God. And what does God have to say? God has to shut him down. Say, boy, who are you talking to right now? I'm God. I know who I'm picking, and I'm picking you. Moses wasn't looking for that position. Moses wasn't looking to, to, to go and set God's people free. No, God called him Gideon. Gideon was hiding wheat from the Midianites. When God called him, he argued with God saying, God, I am the least member of the least tribe of Israel. What did God reply? He said, oh, mighty man of valor. No, I'm calling you, boy. You're the one. I'm not calling somebody else. I'm calling you, the one hiding out right now, the one afraid right now, the one that's the least right now. I'm calling you. What about Esther? Esther's a great hero to the Jewish people. Esther was afraid to go to the king at first. She said, if I go, he's going to kill me. I'm not doing that. I like breathing. I'm not going in there to the king. Are you kidding me? And her uncle had to preach to her about her responsibility before God. Her own uncle had to say, hey, if you don't do it, God will do it. He'll just do it through somebody else and you'll miss out on the blessing. You see, God is not looking for the ambitious. God is looking for the available. God is looking for someone that will say, yes, our own pastors have said many times that God has revealed to them they weren't the first choice to start this church. They were just the first to say yes. God called other people and they said, no, not me, God. I'm not able, God. I can't do it, God. 
And you see, God has a plan for you, and it is for you. It's not for somebody else. And all of you sitting there right now staring at me going, I don't compare myself with other people. Yeah, you do. I do it. You do it. We all do it. We compare ourselves with others. And it's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the devil trying to convince you you're responsible for something God never intended for you to do. Man, be set free from that today. Understand that whether God's given you five talents or whether God's given you two, you're responsible to get to work with what he's given you. He has a plan for you. Let's finish up here. Matthew 25, verse 24. This is the, the sad part of the story. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. You see that? I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours? But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own, at least with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. Doesn't seem real fair, does it? For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he's not saying those who didn't start with anything. He's saying when God judges you one day, those that didn't do anything, you didn't create anything out of the opportunities and the abilities and the gifts that God gave you, those of us who take what God has given us and we do nothing with it, even that will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now first, let's agree on one thing. This wicked servant, he did not know God. He had a totally and completely perverted view of the master. You see, God requires us to be fruitful. That's true. But we also know from Scripture that we aren't saved because we're fruitful. We're fruitful because we're saved. Our fruitfulness comes out of our relationship with God. And the wicked servant in the parable didn't know the master. He didn't trust the master. And here's the truth for every one of us today. When you're sitting on your gifts, when you're sitting on your talent, when you're staring at the cards of your life and you're too afraid to get in the game and live for God, it's one simple reason. I don't care who you are. I don't care what the situation is. For every one of us, it boils down to one thing. We don't trust God. If you trust God, the cards don't matter. If you trust God, the situation doesn't matter. If you trust God... You can do something with what he's given you. Everything in the life of the believer flows from our relationship with the Father. He lived, this servant, he lived in fear and he never used anything the master gave him. So he lost everything. So I want to end with this today. The song says you've got to know when to hold them and you've got to know when to, you've got to know when to fold them. You see, in this parable, when the master 
We see in this parable that when the master left, when he went away on his journey, the servants were supposed to wait for his return, but they weren't supposed to do it passively. They weren't supposed to just sit and eat lunch and just wait. When you play poker, you have to actively manage every hand you are dealt. And part of actively managing every hand is folding. Folding. Folding is not being passive. Folding is strategic. Folding is not passive. It's strategic. Folding is an active choice to invest no money or less money in a losing hand. Why? So you can invest more money in a winning hand. Folding is strategic. Folding is an active choice. And believe it or not, this song about whiskey and gambling and all that, when you understand this principle about folding, it actually ties in beautifully with the gospel. You see, the gospel message is all about folding. At some point in our life, we're all holding a losing hand. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. All of us at some point in our lives are holding a losing hand. Before we put our faith in Jesus to save us from our sins, we're all investing every day of our lives into a hand that can never win. But we can make a choice. A choice to continue investing more and more of our lives into this lost cause. To continue, in poker terms, chasing the river card. Just hoping one day we'll get lucky. The stars will align. This magical combination will happen in my life. I'll get the perfect job and the perfect wife and the perfect life, and I'll be happy. You can keep chasing that. You can hope against hope that one day you'll get lucky. You'll find the answer outside of God, or we can believe the gospel message. The gospel's all about folding your hand, realizing that the hand you're holding is never going to be enough. See, when we fold our hand and we turn our lives over to God, he doesn't just deal us new cards, he changes the game. He changes the game and he does that because God can change the player. See, life's not about the cards, it's about the player. What kind of player do you want to be? Do you want to be a coward afraid to bet? Do you want to be a courageous player that trusts the master? That says, I don't care if God gave me five talents or ten talents or one talent or two talents. I don't really care. Whatever God gave me, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to do something with it. Is that the player you want to be? Will you stand on your feet with me this morning? I want to invite you right now to fold your cards to make a decision that your life has purpose and has meaning and hidden in all the bad beats all the rough breaks that God has a, a plan for you he has meaning and purpose and a design for you I want to invite you right now to fold your cards to ask God to make you a new player to give you a new chance to play this game called life, not afraid, not just staring at the cards all day, but to live, to live. Life is found in one place, Jesus Christ. Life is found one place, Jesus Christ. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you want life, if you're saying, hey, today I've never made Jesus this Lord of my heart, I've never surrendered to his plan. I've been, I've been complaining about the cards, but I want to fold right now. I want to receive this gift. I want life. If that's you, 
Man, we're gonna say a simple prayer. If that's you today, just lift your hand up. We're gonna pray this prayer together. Just lift your hand up now. I just wanna see who I'm praying for. Amen, amen, I see those hands. And if you're with us online today, I invite you. We wanna pray with you as well. There's a button you can click in the chat. We've got people that wanna connect with you, that wanna pray with you. If you wanna fold your hand today, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So church, let's just pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, I fold my hand. I'm not going to complain about the cards anymore. I believe you died for me. You rose again and you have power in my life. You have a plan for my life and I accept that plan. I'm going to play. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have courage. I'm going to have faith and I'm going to trust you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for having a plan for me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.